Hey team, what's up? Welcome to the, I have no idea what number, episode of the Coach Cody podcast. It's been a couple weeks since I have put a podcast and in all honesty, mostly due to anxiety, which I'm actually going to kind of talk about today. I was going to touch on another topic, but I got an email today from a client and they told me that the podcast made them feel less alone and that made me think twice about not talking about anxiety or mental health in general because I do feel like when other people talk about it and their struggles that it helps me feel less alone so I'm kind of in the thick of it so I decided hey I'll talk about it it's kind of weird because as a coach you kind of feel like you are supposed to kind of have your shit completely together you're you know got everything figured out you don't struggle with anxiety or depression or any sort of mental health issues but you know I'm human too and I go through the same struggles as everyone else so you know I'm just gonna be straight up honest with it and anxiety has been probably the biggest thorn in my side out of anything like even more so than being trans I would say but they are also kind of connected so you know it's gotten better but uh specifically social anxiety is kind of my worst uh it's gotten you know better since transition because I kind of you know feel more comfortable in my skin and I match how I feel on the inside and I'm perceived as how I want to be perceived it's definitely more anxiety provoking when you're being perceived differently than you feel it's a very weird disconnected feeling that I can't really describe unless you've experienced it yourself Uh, so if you're not trans I mean I don't I could try my best to find out some analogy I guess it's kind of like if you were to uh, I don't know just imagine waking up one day in someone else's body I guess and walking around and feeling like yourself but they're perceiving you as someone else and you're like no like what is happening that is not me hello uh (laughs) so a little bit more long term than just like a day though but uh yeah so anxiety I can't remember my well I guess kind of like my first memory of anxiety I don't remember what age the onset was I don't think I even knew what I was experiencing was anxiety for the longest time uh, until I just started going to therapy and then my therapist was like you have a lot of anxiety and I'm like really what's that <laughs> like I, I guess uh, is that what this is uh, okay and uh, I think I just did my best to kind of hold it in I, I didn't ever express my worries or anxieties. I kind of just found weird ways to avoid it, like trying to go unnoticed and kind of just slip under the radar, do what I had to do. And, you know, sometimes it had me do some weird shit. Like anxiety can really have you go off the beaten path in order to get, you know, a simple task done. <laughs> but I think if I think back, I think my very first memory of anxiety is probably about kindergarten. And I was worried that I was going to get in trouble because when you get in trouble, you used to have to go to the back of the classroom and you had to stand in the square for X amount of time 
uh, during class. So essentially, you're just, you know, it's the old school shame method. If you get in trouble, you, you, you get to have attention drawn to you and you got to go do something weird. And having social anxiety, that's like my worst nightmare. I did not want to be standing in the middle of a classroom around a bunch of kids, that sort of thing. So shame is, I have a very strong shame button. Like I feel it pretty instantaneously about most things. I think I can thank religion for that. But uh, puberty specifically really, really uh, is what brought my anxiety out really, really bad. Uh, probably around, oh man, say about age 13, I think is when it really hit because I didn't feel like I fit in. There was things happening to my body that I felt like should not be happening to me. It was weird because it was totally okay for it to happen to anyone else, to you know my friends and stuff like that. But it was like, I had this weird instinct of keeping it a secret, wanting to keep things a secret. Uh, so, you know, what happens to girls during puberty, all of those things, uh, I wanted to hide it. I didn't want to go to school anything I could do to not have like people know things uh, I would do and so I really withdrew a lot and uh, the only really life-saving thing I had during these times was sports and I honestly don't know where I'd be without sports and oddly enough I didn't have performance anxiety which sounds strange, especially if you have social anxiety, but sports, it's like my, uh, my instinct, <laughs> my instinctive competitiveness outweighed or overpowered my anxiety. And competition is still to this day, the only thing that can outweigh my anxiety, which is why I can now get up on a bodybuilding stage, mostly naked. And, you know, I've come a long way from that kid who was afraid to uh, be put in the square in the back of class in kindergarten and be stared at. So it's like, now I'm doing this shit to myself on purpose, uh, but it's it's less scary. I mean, it's still terrifying, but uh, there's not as much shame involved. <laughs> uh, so anyways, performance anxiety and sports. Uh, essentially, I was really, really intense with sports. I still can be because I felt that I had a lot to make up for from what I was lacking socially. I uh, was very, very quiet. Uh, a lot of people didn't really know me at all besides maybe as my brother's younger sibling or like the friend of someone else. I didn't really come out of my shell unless I was around you a lot or if I had like a really close friend and I felt comfortable enough around them that I could talk more. But other than that, I was <laughs> very quiet, mostly mute, and people just kind of thought I didn't have a personality. And so I tried to make up for that with sports. I tried to speak with my actions. I tried to be the best that I could be with sports. And yeah, so that kind of saved me in a sense, I guess. And I've carried that over. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, uh, but I'm getting better socially, or at least trying. I. I also couldn't hold a job. So my very first job, I worked at Jim Boy's Tacos. I worked there. Uh, for some reason, it wasn't it wasn't horrible. It was very anxiety inducing. But I think I I knew that 
it was temporary and it was like part time. So it was just enough for me to uh, slip by and kind of get through it. I was only working like four hours a day versus, you know, like an eight hour shift kind of thing. So it was just enough for me to get in there and, and get out before I just have a full on panic attack or whatever. I then, uh, after, so fast forward, I'm sorry, I apologize in advance. This, uh, this episode is going to be kind of everywhere because I'm actually really anxious talking about this. <laughs> and I came into this episode, uh, just being like, you just have to do it. Just go into it. I don't have any direction, but, uh, we're going to talk about it still. So I couldn't hold a job. I actually got fired from a sandwich shop in Northern California called Mr. Pickles, which is kind of hilarious. Uh, (laughs) I worked there for about a week or two, almost, eh, it's probably about two. And then at the end of the shift one day, I got pulled aside by the manager and she was, she was kind. She was very sweet, but she, she pulled me aside after, um, and she gave me a check for the two weeks that I worked there and said that I was very sweet, but I was just too quiet and they want someone who's more outgoing and someone who will, you know, be very, like, like greet people at the door and stuff like that. So it's although my work was good and I memorized the mem- the menu and I made the sandwiches okay, I was just too quiet. So I was let go. She gave me my check. and. Unfortunately, I let that defeat me for a pretty long time. Um, This was right around, so this was in 2008, so it was really hard to find a job at this point. I did uh, end up going to school and I got my uh, personal training certificate and I started working at a personal training studio in Lincoln, California. And pre-transition, it was was so hard, but... it was I really wanted to do it so I held out as long as I could but literally every day I got to the point where I was getting physically ill before walking into work and then finally just one day it was it was too much I couldn't go in and so I had pushed myself to that edge of yeah it was too much time to backpedal and after that uh, I definitely went into a, a pretty discouraged dark place because I thought that what was going on I was never going to get over that hump I would never be able to hold down a job I would never be able to get over this paralyzing anxiety and also note I was taking medication at this point and was also going to therapy but you can only get so far when you feel like you're having to hide so much of yourself so you know coming out post-transition also side note I, uh, this therapist that I had was great, except for when I came out to her, that was not so great. And, uh, she tried (laughs) to send me, uh, to conversion therapy. So that was, that was fun. I definitely, uh, did not also help my anxiety. I did find a new therapist eventually, and I have actually been with her ever since. And I have, uh, definitely made huge steps especially with transition and that's ultimately been one of the biggest factors uh, in helping my social anxiety I do ever do however 
have pretty gnarly like general anxiety uh, and that's something I will continuously be working on and I just wanted to talk about this because uh, I don't want you to feel like you're the only ones that go through this or that I have my shit together and point being isn't really to give you solutions <laughs> Uh, I feel like a lot of these podcasts about anxiety are like, here's what you should do. Here's five things you can do for your anxiety today. I don't really have any of those for you, uh, but I do have for you uh, the fact that you're not alone and the fact that you it does get better. You know, like I'm not perfect, but I've come a long way. So if you're someone who's kind of more so in the place that I was back in the day, uh, it's almost like the more true to yourself you become, the less you start worrying about what other people think or, uh, you know, the worst case scenarios or the, you know, feeling like people are judging you. Uh, it's hard for me to feel like people are judging me as much anymore. The hardest part is when I talk. Is that which is why this podcast is so freaking scary for me (laughs) uh because i feel like when i'm quiet people can judge me and they can make assumptions about me but they could be generally untrue because they don't really know but the moment that i open my mouth then i'm you know putting myself out there for more criticism or giving them more evidence or reasons to just not like me or to judge me off the things that I say they'd be like wow actually he's pretty dumb so uh yeah don't like him much pretty dumb uh doesn't you know doesn't really know what he's talking about half the time just rambles uh pretty just I don't really like the way that his voice sounds <laughs> so uh talking is still my most anxious uh part of me but uh i'm working on it working on it and so i guess maybe this is just me uh you know looking for some accountability i'm usually the one uh coaching people giving people accountability but uh maybe i'm the one asking for it this time and just making sure that i keep up on this podcast and keep working on the things that challenge me or the things that i am afraid of because that's what life is really all about and if i'm not pushing myself or not challenging myself I tend to feel stagnant or almost kind of depressed and that's honestly kind of been where I've been feeling a little bit lately and I wouldn't say it's necessarily true depression but it's this stagnancy because I don't feel like I'm growing and for me that's oof it's one of the worst feelings for me so that's just one more reason to keep pushing myself and doing this podcast uh ultimately i don't know if it would ever happen but my ultimate challenge would be to actually give like a live talk and i'm not saying that's necessarily a goal of mine but that would be the ultimate challenge considering as a kid i was pretty much mute and to this moment um, I'm doing my own podcast. So, okay, cool. We've got some growth happening. I got to keep that going. 
uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to think of what else I was going to say about this. Uh, the worst thing about anxiety is like the more you avoid it, the worse it gets. So I guess that goes for anything. <laughs> Even if you're working out, you can't just reach a certain point and then stop working out and expect to keep the muscle mass that you put on. Same goes with anxiety. It's just basically another workout, but for your brain. And we're all connected, you know, mind, body, soul, you know, all that bullshit. Well, it's not bullshit, but all that, you know, that uh, spiritual stuff, you know, the hippie stuff. Uh, no offense if you're spiritual. I'm kind of cynical sometimes. You might start to realize that about me the more you listen to this. But that's probably just because uh, I'm a little jaded from religion. But, you know, that's another healing point. I can talk about that on another podcast. <laughs> but in order to... All right, I'm going to try to transition into the topic that I was actually going to touch on to see uh, see if this possible. Let's see if I can do this. Uh, I was actually wanting to talk a bit about self-love again. You know, I've kind of touched on this a little bit, but just wanted to retouch on it, do a little refresher. Uh because I've just noticed a few things lately and I figured I could uh, speak up on it. And uh, so self-love, um, it's a very popular thing these days. You know, be kind to yourself, uh, love yourself, that sort of thing. But tough love needs to also be included in self-love. And I think that's something that we leave out or we just forget about. And I don't mean tough love, like beat yourself up, like, oh my God, you know, you're such a fucking loser. You uh, totally screwed up and ate that uh, whole box of Oreos or a uh, box of whatever. Uh, pff, do Oreos? No, they come in like box bags with sheets, things. What do you call that? Just plastic? I don't know. Sorry. Uh, so no, don't beat yourself up. What is self-love anyways? Well, I, we might confuse this with justifications for things or passing on holding ourselves accountable. Self-love is, is, is not, you know, being like, oh, I totally just needed that box of Oreos. Sometimes you just have to treat yourself and that's totally fine. It's, self-love is also about, you know, the tough love part where you hold yourself accountable. It's not to beat yourself up afterwards, but it's to like acknowledge that you didn't probably have your best interest at mind when you were, you know, downing that whole thing of Oreos uh, and then kind of making a plan to do better the next time. You don't have to kind of like shame rule yourself and spiral down and like think that you just are the worst person ever. You, you don't need to do that. Like it all, we, it happens. We all do it. Uh, it's probably kind of equivalent to me going to a social event and are probably planning to go to a social event and then just kind of making up an excuse not to go. Um, I could beat myself up for that or I could really, really, you know, be like, hey, Cody, you you, sh you should probably have gone to that because your anxiety is only going to get worse and you're just going to isolate yourself more. So the next one, I think that you should really go and you're gonna feel you're gonna feel better if you do this time you know it's okay but probably not wise to do that again anyways so uh, 
Another thing with self-love that can be kind of confusing is that the love that we feel for ourselves versus for other people tends to be pretty different. Uh, it's, you know, I don't know if you've ever felt the same kind of love for yourself as you have for like a significant other. I uh, I don't know about you, but I don't really get like butterflies for myself and then be like, oh, just everything about you is amazing. <laughs> like when about myself, no, like I, I definitely, I, I'm more of just kind of like, you're okay, kid. Like you're there, we're good. Uh, <laughs> so to kind of call it self-love, I feel like that could be kind of confusing and then have you feel like you don't actually love yourself, but you do. Uh, I mean, unless you're kind of Donald Trump, I'm pretty sure no one loves Donald Trump as much as Donald Trump loves Donald Trump. So unless you're just a complete narcissist, you probably don't know how to love yourself in the way that you would love another person so much. Because I don't really know that we can. I don't know. But uh, instead of thinking of love as self-love, think of it as self-responsibility. So treating yourself like someone you're responsible for regardless of how you feel about yourself at the time. Uh, it's like, how would you look after someone that you were dependent, that was dependent on you? So maybe a child or a pet. Uh, so it's like, maybe your pet chewed your favorite pair of shoes or pooped on your new carpet. But regardless of their mistakes or their bad behavior, you still have to look after them. You still have to make sure they have food and water and that they sleep and that they're walked and it's like it, it's unchanging what like whatever they do bad because you love them that's kind of how self-love is you're responsible for yourself so you have to make sure that you are caring for yourself giving yourself food water sleep brushing your teeth uh hygiene taking care of your emotional health social health all of those fun things so um self-love is just keeping your best interest in mind kind of like you do with your friends you know you have those those honest talks with friends sometimes and they kind of get your heart beating and you're really anxious and you're afraid to hurt their feelings but you really really care about them so you know it's important that you share the honest truth with them you kind of hoping that they don't shoot the messenger but you're really like i really love this person they deserve to know the truth or my honest opinion so i'm gonna tell them yeah i do that for yourself too you don't want to bullshit yourself. You can't just tell yourself uh, things that you want to hear or justify your actions because accountability is very important for self-love. Uh, so self-love is having compassion with yourself in moments where you struggle with staying accountable and being honest with yourself versus making excuses or justifications for your actions or non-actions. So self-love must include tough love. And uh, sometimes you just got to do shit you don't want to do because it's good for you. And uh, that's the greatest act of self-love. It's kind of like, you know, when your parents told you to eat your vegetables and you said you didn't want to. And they're like, too bad. You have to because it's good for you. Um, or maybe they didn't. <laughs> Whatever it is that your your guardians at the time told you you had to do because it was good for you. And uh, a lot of that I've had to do uh, applying it to my anxiety. So that's how I'm tying this in here. I don't know if that worked, but definitely have had to give myself 
some tough love, trying to stay honest with myself in times where I justified my actions or avoidance. Uh, so that's still an ongoing process. Journaling is something that can be a very, very good way to stay aware and honest with yourself. So if you ever find yourself just justifying something that, you know, didn't get you closer to a goal or not doing something because you didn't want to, you know, write it down, talk about it, go to therapy, because uh, if you want to get somewhere, you're going to have to do hard things. And unfortunately, that's the only way to go. I wish I had an easy route for people. Same with when it comes to building muscle or weight loss. It's all going to take time. If I had a shortcut, I would totally sell it. But all I've got is some tough love for you. In the same way that I still got to work on my anxiety. And I've tried to look for shortcuts with anxiety. Doesn't work. I mean, of course, alcohol can work. But there ain't no way I'm going to, you know, just be drinking 24-7. Uh, I'm not about to jump into that. Uh, <laughs> medication, you know, although helpful, still not a quick fix. It uh, can help push you through the uh, hard, hard times and be more receptive to, to doing new things and kind of learning. But it's still going to be there. There's a lot that ends up being up to you and your actions and pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and making sure to keep growing. So I'm going to end this podcast here. Thank you so much for listening to my rambles. Uh, definitely an all over the place type of podcast. But if you have anxiety and you appreciated this at all, uh, make sure to you know give it a review on Apple Podcasts if you liked it or... Uh, feel free to, you know, shoot me an email, coachcodyharmon at gmail.com or follow me on Instagram at mrcoachcody. Yeah, that's pretty much all the places that you can reach me. But for now, I hope you have a good rest of your day. Peace out, and I will talk to you next time.